What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Bats Cave. This is episode number 15. This is a pop culture podcast where I talk about everything in the world of comics, movies, video games, TV shows, all that great stuff. I'm your host, Alex Bats. Uh, took a little bit of a skip week last week. I think I might be transitioning the podcast to be bi-weekly. Uh, I'm not sure yet. We'll see. It just, uh, I've made it to where my YouTube videos take precedent over the podcast as far as making sure that those come out at least twice a week. I am shooting for Mondays and Fridays for uploads, and for the most part, I've been sticking to that for the last month and a half, almost two months now. Um, so I've been doing that, and I've, the only thing that I've had to do as far as my YouTube videos is sometimes I've twice now pushed the Monday upload back to Tuesday but I still make sure that I'm getting at least two out every week. And so that's the thing that I want to be sure to continue to hit. That's my my mark. Um, and so I, 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 of course, still want to be doing the podcast and putting the podcast out. I would like for it to be weekly, but it just kind of becomes a lot whenever I'm doing two videos a week already and then also doing the podcast as well. So... It seems like making it bi-weekly might be the way to go for it. But if I, do, I don't want to absolutely commit to saying it will be bi-weekly, though, because then at the same time, I might, you know, feel like recording on a week that might be an off week. And so then I'll still have it, you know, it'll be a weekly thing for that installment, I guess. So I don't know. That's just a really long-winded say, way of saying maybe this will be bi-weekly, maybe not. Hopefully it'll still be going out every week. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, so I've been doing that again. If you haven't, if you don't, please go check out my YouTube and subscribe. If you haven't, uh, I'm very proud of the videos that I've been putting out on there. So I think they've, I think they've been pretty good, pretty enjoyable. So go do that. If you haven't go check those out, um, listen to any past podcast episodes. If you haven't, I don't have all of my podcast episodes on YouTube because I stopped uploading them for a little bit, uh, to YouTube, but I do have, all of them on my Spotify and Stitcher and Apple Podcast, even though Apple Podcast is the absolute worst as far as syncing. It literally, it takes me, so I record the podcast and edit it. I do like bare minimum editing on these things. I literally just run through with uh, like normalizing the audio and stuff. I don't edit anything out. I don't cut any, I literally just like cut the very beginning and the very end. And then I just leave the middle however it goes. I keep it very just off the cuff, loosey goosey, just roll with whatever. And so I'll record and I'll edit and then I'll upload the podcast. And so now I upload it to YouTube as well. So I'll start that upload first because it takes the longest. So I'll start uploading it there. And then while it's uploading there, I'll upload it to Podbean. And the way that my account is set up is I have a Podbean account that's linked to my Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So I upload it to Podbean and then it will automatically sync up and publish the episode on the other platforms. So I upload it to Podbean, and then within like five or 10 minutes, it's live on Spotify and it's live on Stitcher. So I have it on Podbean, Spotify, and Stitcher pretty instantaneously. But the thing that fucking sucks because Apple is awful is that I'm literally, I will never be sponsored by Apple. Not that I wouldn't want to be exactly, but I literally just talk shit about them all the time, which is fine. Um, but the thing that sucks with Apple is I'll, I'll upload it and I'll publish it on Podbean and it'll take hours. And I mean like sometimes 10 plus hours 
for it to sync to Apple Podcast and display on there. And so it's really annoying because, like, for instance, I'm recording this episode at 3 in the morning on Wednesday. And so this should be published and uploaded. It'll probably be on my YouTube in 7 hours at 10 a.m. I, I make my videos live at 10 a lot of the time. That's the just scheduled time that I have for upload on YouTube. And so this will go up at 10 a.m. on my YouTube channel. And it will be live on Podbean and Spotify and Stitcher at 10 a.m., but because I've at this point waited so long to record this episode, it probably won't be live on Apple Podcasts at 10 a.m. today, so in seven hours. It'll probably not be until the afternoon that I'll be able to have a link for that, and so it really sucks because I don't like tweeting out the new podcast episode without links to all of the platforms because I know a lot of my followers, I know a lot of people who use iPhones, obviously, and so I would like to be able to have that link included in there, but I just can't because Apple's terrible and takes so fucking long to do it. Like literally the last episode that I recorded, my Last of Us uh, review, I recorded it on Tuesday, like in the middle of the day, I think. And I published it on Podbean at like midnight, maybe even like a little bit before midnight on Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning because I was like, okay, I'll publish it now. That way it hopefully gives it enough time to sync up to Apple Podcasts by 10 a.m. So 10 fucking hours later, it was still not synced onto Apple Podcast. I uh, Like, it was 10 hours and I still didn't have the link yet. It's just insane to me. I don't understand what's going on. I don't get it. Um, but yeah, that's my rant about how Apple Podcasts is terrible and takes so long. So if you're ever wondering why I don't have all the links, at least the Apple link, whenever I tweet it out, sometimes it, that that's why I want to tweet it out whenever it's live, but Apple sucks. So I can't tweet that link with the rest of them sometimes. Um, but yeah, anyway, as I guess getting into this episode, um, I don't know how long this episode is going to be because it's admittedly been like a week or a week, two weeks since I watched these two movies, but, um, I've been going through my, like watch list or movies that I've wanted to watch for the last two weeks now, actually, I think two weeks, because I'm pretty sure, because it actually started whenever I watched, um, The Old Guard, which I will be talking about second, I think, as uh, from these two, but I watched The Old Guard, and I was like, man, I love watching movies, I'll go, I'll literally go in stints where, like, uh, I don't know if you might be like this, too, uh, where I will, be in a mood to like read a lot of stuff and I'll like have a couple days or a couple weeks where I'm like just reading a lot of things like I'll read a lot of comics I'll read a lot of some of my novels um I've been recent uh, for I say recently for the last like two years I've been slowly working uh, my way through a um complete I have the complete works of HP Lovecraft like hardcover book it's a very beautiful looking book actually it's one of my favorite things that I have um, but I've been going through over a long period of time, I'll just go through and read some of his stories and whatnot, which, um, he's definitely a raging racist and was probably a piece of shit in real life, but the dude could write <laughs> and, uh, I really enjoy his work. So I've been going through that over a long period of time. But so like, anyway, I'll have these stints where I'll go through and I'll be reading a lot. Like I'll read some of that and I'll read a lot of comics in like a short amount of time. And then I'll just kind of like stop reading for a couple days or a couple weeks or whatever. And while I stop doing that, I'll be like watching stuff. Like I'll binge a lot of shows, like uh, 
two weeks ago I finished watching Suits. Um, I should do a podcast episode on that. Um, but I finished like season eight and season nine of Suits, which is the season nine's the last season. So I went through and I finished that. I literally watched the entire final season in like a day. Um, and so like I'll get in moods where I feel like binge watching stuff and I'll just watch a lot of like series, a lot of TV, or I'll watch a lot of movies and I'll do that for like a couple weeks and then I'll like stop doing that and I'll get in moods where I want to play a lot of games and so I'll be gaming. A a lot of the time it's kind of a mixture of the two, like normally uh, reading, watching, and playing things are kind of, there'll be some combination of the things that I'm doing. Uh, Writing, of course, is also something that I pretty consistently do, especially with the YouTube videos I've been doing, because I'm putting scripts out for uh, at least half of those I script. Um, So I've been doing that, and then I have my Wicked and the Divine articles for Comics Bookcase, which I would recommend that you check out if you haven't already. I'll link that in the YouTube description if you're watching slash listening to this on YouTube. But so... I will be doing those, so it'll be some combination of the two. Right now, I've been watching stuff and playing a lot of games. I've been playing a lot of Fortnite and Destiny, actually. I played through, like, All the Last of Us Part Two, which you, I mentioned in that review. And then since then, and even a little bit before then, too, I've been playing a lot of Fortnite. And uh, I re- recently have very much started grinding Destiny 2. Uh, my friend Sean, who was... A guest on this podcast two episodes ago you should check out that episode if you haven't already i'll also link that below in the description if you're on youtube uh, but that was episode 13 i believe we talked about um flashpoint and uh, batman being in a flash movie but anyways he's a huge destiny 2 fan so he got me into it it's free to play so i was like yeah fuck it why not and i was super interested in destiny for a while whenever the first one dropped and uh, played a little bit, and I got Destiny 2 on launch also, but then I just kind of dropped off, but anyways, I've been uh, playing that a lot, I actually hit uh, 1000 light level earlier tonight, um, which is pretty cool, but so I've been doing that, so I've been playing a lot of Destiny 2 and Fortnite, and yeah, I know, Fortnite, whatever, I I was very against it, For I've got, I'm going on a lot of tangents this episode, not even into the meat of it, but that's fine, I like that, um, but yeah, I was super, like, against Fortnite for a long time, because uh, it, it got so ridiculous, and I was like, nah, fuck that, like, whatever. Uh, but then, I don't know, like, a month and a half, two months ago, uh, like, randomly hopped on, and uh, it was really fucking fun. And it's it's just honestly dumb fun. Like, yeah, it can be kind of frustrating, and, like, some parts are stupid or whatever, but uh, I have a lot of fun playing it. So I've been playing those a lot and uh, watching stuff the last, like, two weeks. So, yeah, it started with The Old Guard, actually. I watched the old guard which again i'll talk about second and these two movies uh and then after i watched the old guard i was like you know what i'll watch atomic blonde which atomic blonde isn't available on any of the streaming services at least in the u.s uh for free so i had to um i rented it on amazon um so because i saw the old guard and i was like man charlie's theron is such a badass and i wanted to see atomic blonde for a long time but never did and so i was like you know what fuck it i pulled the trigger I rented it on Amazon. So the first movie that I'm going to talk about after that 11 and a half minute intro of very random, random things uh, is Atomic Blonde, which is also the thumbnail for this video, which looks killer. I love the, the aesthetic of this movie, which is one of the points that I'll get into is so good. Um, but yeah, so I watched Atomic Blonde and uh, yeah, I fucking loved it. It's um, directed by David Leach. 
who is one of the guys behind the first John... I think he's one of the guys behind John Wick, I'm pretty sure. Uh, let me Google it and just double check. But I'm pretty sure he is. Created by... Um, come on, John Wick Chapter... Okay, can we get there? Thank you. No, he's not? I thought he was. Wow, what is he? What do I know him from? De maybe Deadpool? That might be it. That might be it. Produced by... No? Directed by... I don't... Where did... I swear that he came from either, like, John Wick or Deadpool. Regardless, it's uh, directed by David Leach and Leitch, I'm probably mispronouncing his name, but it's actually based on The Coldest City, which is a comic book, which I didn't know that, written by Anthony Johnston with art by Sam Hart, which I need to read this comic book now because I very much loved this movie. But anyways, it is a really great film. It's set um, during, so it revolves around a spy who has to find a list of double agents who are being smuggled into the West on the eve of the collapse of the Berlin Wall in 1989. Um, so yeah, it's starring Charlize Theron, James McAvoy, John Goodman, uh, and Sofia Botella. It's very, very, it's so good. I So this movie, uh, one, I know it was like an action movie, obviously, sort of in the vein of John Wick. And um, it's, I think... This is probably a hot take, actually. I think I might like this movie more than the first John Wick. It's um, one like John Wick had, which it's got. I know it's so annoying because they're like I don't want to just constantly make comparisons between the two, but it's kind of hard not to. Um, but like, just it's just dripping with aesthetic. It's got such a really really cool neon style to it and it there, there's just so much style throughout the whole film and I love that it's also like ten, it's a technically a period piece like it's relatively recent history you know it's 89 that wasn't that long ago I mean it was before I was born but like in the grand scheme of like it's not like a 1400s period piece you know like it's still modern age um but it's really cool because it's, you know, different from how things are now. And it's also a very interesting setting being in Berlin right before the fall of the Berlin Wall. And uh, it's a spy movie, too. And so it's just a very it's a very unique spy movie. It's a very unique period movie. It's a very unique action movie. It just mixes all of these elements together really, really well. And it all just works. The story is super it's easy enough to follow but it's consistently engaging. Like you're consistently putting pieces together, making connections, trying to figure out, you know, what exactly is going on because as most spy movies do and as most kind of mystery, it's not like a straight up mystery, but it has mystery elements. Like, but as those films tend to do, it, you know, keeps you guessing. You don't know everything the whole way through. You're trying to put it together, figure everything out. And so it does a really good job of, you know, weaving these threads and pulling you along and keeping you invested. And um, the story is really very strong. I think the story is stronger than the story in John Wick 1, which, I mean, putting it simply, John, John Wick, is it's a revenge story. They kill his dog, and so he wants to kill them all. It's not a very complex story there. The thing that's really cool about the first John Wick is all the world building that it does in that simple revenge plot. And that's what makes it stand out. It's got the style and it's got a lot of world building. And of course, Keanu like carries it. 
Um, and so this movie does something sort of similar in the sense that it's got world building, but it's world building because of where in space and time it's established because it's right before the collapse of the Berlin Wall. You have all of these tensions and all this, all of these things that we inherently already know about because we know how history played out. And so it very much plays on all of these different actions and reactions and, and all the players that are present during this time and their motivations and what they're, you know, would be doing or going for. And so it does a really good job of mixing all of that and kind of throwing it all together and doing it in an intelligent way. And uh, so it, it's really cool there. And it plays the spy angle pretty well. It's, you know, there's some double crosses, some double agents. Uh, and there's one cool, like, spy thing, like, gadget thing in the movie. There's not, like, a whole lot of them, but there is one cool one, um, that the movie kind of hinges on, actually, which is pretty cool. Um, and then, yeah, of course, Charlie's Theron, I mean, she carries this movie and absolutely crushes it. She does such a good job throughout the film. Uh, I mean, it's her movie, and it's just, I mean, it's an amazing performance, and she absolutely fucking kicks ass. She's so good. Um, there's the action in this movie, because of course it is an action movie, so that's one of the biggest draws to this. Man, just talking about this movie and thinking about it, I want to watch it again. I might I might rent it again tonight, actually, because yeah, I'm planning on watching another movie after I record this, and I'm, I might just have to go rewatch this. And um, But yeah, the action kicks ass in this film. It's so, like, it's realistic action, for the most part, and it just hits. It's so, so good. It's uh, extremely well choreographed. It's paced very, very well. The action always hits at appropriate times. Like, you get enough space between action and emotional beats in the story that it's very, there's no, like, lulls, and the respites are earned and are good for character development. And so the action comes at, like, super welcome times. Like, whenever it starts kicking up, you're like, oh, hell yeah. And uh, so it's very, very good. There's a couple of very big action set pieces. Like, there's one, um, she uses, like, a, uh, I think it's a fire hose line um, as a weapon and a tool, which is such a cool sequence. And then there's one action sequence towards, it's in the second half of the film, that is a 10, an almost 10-minute one -er which it's not a quote-unquote true one -er. It was I was actually reading before I started recording that um, it's an almost 10-minute one-take. It appears as a one-take, but it's actually 40 different shots stitched together, um, which is insane because I could tell... I'm obvious, I'm very much into films and stuff, and I think I may have mentioned this before, but one of my favorite things that movies and TV shows can do even games or comics can do this too. It's more difficult in comics than it is games or TV shows or movies because they're a moving visual medium. Um, but our one shots, they're probably my favorite thing because I think they just draw you into a story and in ways that you don't get with cuts. And aside from that, it's just so technically impressive to do a one take even if it's not a true one like if it's one where you are stitching together multiple shots it's still like there are different so a true one take where there's n where it actually is one shot with the camera you're not stitching together multiple takes requires an insane amount of planning and then also stitching together takes and doing you know a one or 
where you're using a lot of different takes and putting them together also requires an insane amount of planning. It's just a different type of planning, sort of. Uh, and both are just so technically impressive to me that I just literally whenever I'm watching them, I'm just like, man, like this is awesome. And so the one in this movie, I what was the point I was making? So yeah, the point is, uh, I was getting to with that is that like I being a huge film fan and a huge fan of Warners and stuff, I can normally tell and spot the different um, cut points that they'll use like in movies or TV show to mask the whenever they stitch together shots. Like if you're going from left to right and you go across a door frame, that's normally something that they'll use to cut or stitch two takes together. Anything that goes from the top to the bottom of the screen and moves across the screen or from the left to the right of the screen and moves vertically is used to stitch together two different takes because you can have so like if you're walking through a door and you're on the left side of the door frame and you go through like the shot on the right side of the door frame will be a completely new shot or new take because that's just how they stitch them together i don't know if i explained that well enough for you to understand but either way um and so i'm pretty Another quick way is whenever they do uh, quick pans are a good way to stitch together shots too. But so all that to say that I actually sort of have fun like trying to point out and figure out where the different cuts that they are like, you know, fake cuts or that they use to stitch all these shots together. And the fact I read that this one was 40 different takes or 40 different shots like stitched together is insane to me because I knew that there was like I knew it wasn't a complete one or. I knew that there was some cuts in it that they stitched together, but I didn't think that there was anywhere near that many. I thought there was maybe like 20, but the fact that it's 40 shots stitched together is insane and mind-blowing, and it's also just a crazy action sequence. The action in it is so good. It does something that is really, really good in action sequences and is also very prevalent whenever you do one takes in action sequences and we've seen this a lot more recently with recent action things we've seen it in john wick we've seen it in daredevil the hallway fight scenes is that whenever you do these things and you do these long one takes you see your protagonist and even the people that they're fighting get winded and get worn out and run down because that's how it would be because fighting is really fucking tiring you can't just constantly go like we're not superhumans and so it's very cool to see that, and this sequence does that very well, too. It, it establishes that these people are fucking tired, they're beat, they're beating the shit out of each other, they're fighting for their lives, and, and it's just, it plays into the mood and the just everything about the sequence. And so, yeah, that action sequence was very, very cool. It literally, it's one of those wonders where I got to a certain point, and I was like, man, like, this is still going i can't believe this is still one shot so far um and so yeah that was very very awesome uh uses the environment really well it just great performances from charlize the stunt double because i'm sure she's there in some parts the stunt men that she's fighting against just literally everyone does the camera operator set design uh just all of it was so so good so well executed uh, loved that sequence and yeah that's just I mean basically literally the whole movie was fantastic uh, Sophia Butella did a fantastic job in her role as well James McAvoy plays a great asshole um, <laughs> he's just such a good like smart ass uh, actor really he's a he's a phenomenal actor but he just plays that like douche uh, honestly really really well um, and so he was really good um, John Goodman was great um, 
the cinematography was fantastic. Like I said, it's just dripping with that uh, neon aesthetic. And yeah, this movie just hit a lot of, a lot of points that I really, really wanted it to. And it's actually managed to exceed my expectations because I'd heard, you know, people talk up this movie and say that it was really great and super underrated and, you know, everything. And I do not at all think that it was overhyped. It was phenomenal. It was fantastic. I very, very much am happy that we're getting a sequel, that they're working on a sequel right now. Charlize Theron said that in an interview recently that uh, Netflix is going to be doing it and they're in the um, early stages of writing it and figuring out how they're going to do that. So I'm very, very excited for that. The ending of also was very, very cool. I didn't see the ending coming. It was a nice plot twist there uh, to kind of resolve things. And so that was nice as well. But yeah, just a great movie all around. It really hit emotional beats when it needed to. Action was awesome. The story was very compelling. Uh, looked phenomenal. And yeah, just it was just a great movie. It was a very enjoyable movie. I'm very glad that I saw it. Definitely worth a rental at the very least. If you haven't seen it, I'm probably going to end up purchasing it. Uh, relatively, I, I might, fuck, I might have to buy that after this, actually, instead of renting again, I don't know, we'll see, but, yeah, great movie, loved it a lot, highly recommend, so, there's my thoughts on Atomic Blonde, but, moving on to the other Charlie's Theron movie that I'm talking about in this episode, which I've already mentioned a little bit before, and that's The Old Guard, so this is also based on a comic book, um, it's, The Old Guard is written by... Greg Rucka and ooh someone else. I know there's another writer attached to this. Uh, da, da, da. I think there's another writer attached to this. No, there's not. So it's, okay, so it's just Greg Rucka and then artist Leandro Fernandez who um, wrote the comic, which actually the second volume of the comic just finished like a week ago. Um, but so this movie is based on the first volume of the comics, the first five issues, which I haven't read yet, but I will be reading soon. Um, and the old guard is about a group of immortals who have been around for hundreds slash thousands of years and they don't die. They can be shot and quote unquote killed maimed or whatever but they heal and they continue li- lead, uh, living and so Charlize Theron plays Andromache and I don't know how to say her name of Scythia um they just call her Andy for short in the movie and then there are um her three friends Booker Joe and Nikki they're centuries old warriors with re- with regenerative healing abilities use their vast experience to help people and so it um basically the general plot is that this pharmaceutical guy wants to capture them to use their DNA and harness their DNA to try to figure out what makes them immortal and you know he wants to do it so he can sell the drug for money not really help humanity and then there's also a new immortal that shows up that um, they go to her name is Nile and so she's a new one that they have to go find and recruit and try to get to help them and so yeah this movie this movie does a lot of world building and it's it's really cool because this is very much like a comic book movie Greg Rucka wrote the screenplay for it which was great Uh, I'm really glad that they got him to do that since it's his comic Um, 
and you can definitely tell, at least I can definitely tell, that this was a comic book movie written by a comic book writer, because there are a lot of things, there are a lot of lines in the movie, and also just elements of the film that I was like, that's very comic book. And I mean that as the highest compliment, being a huge comic book fan, and I think it works really well in the movie, that just the, the whole premise of them being this just immortal group of warriors who are just ultimate badasses because they've been around for hundreds slash a thousand plus years so they've learned and trained all in all of these different fighting styles and know how to do all of this stuff uh it's really cool like that there's just a lot of things you can get a lot of mileage out of that story um and it just automatically makes all the characters super intriguing because you're like damn like what could like they'll just drop you know references to that they'll be like i can't remember which what city it was um, but they'll mention a city and he's like, oh, when like, and one of the characters is like, oh, like 19, like 40 something. And she's like 1840. And you're like, God damn, like these people have been around for so long. And so just the fact that they'll just casually drop references to these events, these places from like hundreds and hundreds of years ago, just adds so much depth to the characters inherently. Cause you're like, man, like I can only imagine what all they've seen and what all they've been through. And so it just automatically piques your curiosity there uh, and is really cool. And so that's just something like that's a lot of world building just right there. And so throughout the film, you get more and more insight into their lives, what they've experienced and how they kind of think and everything. And it's really cool. Like there's one scene towards the beginning where uh, Andy is able to she's literally like her palate is so well refined that she's able to tell exactly what kind of ingredients are in this I don't remember what it is that she's eating but this thing um and it just goes to show her experience on the planet and uh so it's really cool the movie does a ton of things like that that I think work really really well and yeah the, the like the overall plot isn't the most complicated it's pretty straightforward they're being hunted by a group of people so they have to defeat them while also protecting and initiating this newcomer to their group and so, you know, you get the sort of stereotypical thing where the newcomer is like, oh, fuck this. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't want any of this. I didn't ask for this and kind of resistant to that. And so you see them trying to get them, the newcomer Niles, to work with them and accept her new place in the world and what her life is going to be now. You get Andy, who is very just tired and world weary because she's been around for so long they literally make a comment that she's forgotten more ways to kill people than like armies have ever learned because she's just been alive for so so long you get a couple of different flashbacks throughout the movie to different periods and stuff and it's very interesting to see all of that um the whole cast does a very very good job uh you have charlize of course as andy um kiki lane is niall um get matthias don't know how to say his last name i'm sorry as booker uh marwan kanzari is joe and luca marinelli is nikki chitwell uh edgy four plays a cia agent and that's the main cast and it's direct by the way this is directed by gina prince bythewood uh i think this might be her directorial debut i'm not sure maybe i don't know i actually might be completely wrong on that um let me see let me see 
So, no, she, this is not her directorial debut. Wow, she's done a lot more than I realized, actually. But, um, so she directs this, and it's very good. I think it's an extremely solid film. It's super entertaining. I love the concept a lot. I think, as I said earlier, there's a lot that you can do with it. There's a lot of mileage that you can get there. And I think it's executed well. Um, the action in it absolutely kicks ass. Um, lots of really cool uh, sword play, just weapon play in general with various swords, blunt objects, and guns, and things like that. It's just very cool action to see. It's fun action to see. It's uh, very brutal at parts. Uh, not like overtly so. It's not like gory for the sake of being gory, but there is some stuff you're like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it's super, it's a super entertaining action flick, um, with, I think it also, ba it balances the action with the drama really well, because there are some very sincere and earnest character moments and character beats, and that honestly might be the highlight of the movie. Like, I think the action is very, very good, but the story and the emotional arcs and the emotional development that you get with these characters and some of the quieter moments where they're talking about their lives is definitely some of the best parts of the movie um, because you're just you're just so inherently drawn into these characters uh, because of that interest that you have and what they've probably gone, gone through that it's hard not to really care about what they're saying and what they're doing on screen and so whenever you get those quieter moments in between action scenes that it definitely the actors really really shine with what they're given to work with and they really do a really good job um and so all those emotional beats i think really hit and uh yeah the story like i said is it's a relatively simple story but i think it's executed extremely well and yeah just the con the concept i think is gold i think the concept is probably the sh is uh probably the strongest part of the movie just because it's such a good concept like i didn't I like I literally heard about this movie like the day before like a day or two before it dropped on Netflix and I didn't know anything about it and I like looked it up and watched the trailer you know and I was like oh this concept is awesome like you're telling me this is a really cool concept and it also looks like a kick-ass action movie and I think it really nails both uh like Atomic Blonde Charlize absolutely crushes this role she's just such a good actress and very much has I think heaps and bounds proven herself as an action star and so it's super exciting to see her in this and um she does a great job i really hope that we get prequels and sequels for this film because one i say prequels because i would love to see like period pieces for this because that's one of the things that you can do here since they've lived for hundreds of years you can set a movie in pretty much any time and you know there's a lot to explore there like you can explore when these characters might have met like whenever the characters that we see in this film met each other and how that came to be like how it was back then there's just all there's so many storytelling possibilities that you can do um given the longevity of these characters lives and so i think it would be cool if we got some prequels there and it of course also does set up a sequel uh especially given there is a sequel comic series uh, already out like i said the second volume so i do hope that we get to see those it made it onto like Netflix earlier this week or last week um, released their, a list of their like top 10 movies that have been streamed. And this movie actually made the list despite only having been out for like two weeks. Uh, it was like number eight, I think, on the list. So uh, hopefully that is enough interest to garner a sequel and or prequels for this. Um, 
yeah, I think that's probably probably it for my thoughts on the old guard. Like I said at the, the beginning, because I don't want to get into spoilers really for either of these movies because I want you to watch them if you haven't already. Um, but I wanted to talk about them because they're two of the movies that I've been watching as of late. And I feel like they have a, you know, they've got a strong similarity in the fact that Charlize Theron is the lead in both of these action flicks that are actually both based on comic books as well, uh, which is pretty crazy. But so I figured they'd be good to do a kind of, you know, double feature type episode on. Uh, I might do another episode soon about more of the movies that I've been watching. So I've been watching a lot of movies. I've gone through, let me let me pull up my now watching thread that I have because I keep, this is how I keep track of all the movies that I've been um, watching recently. Um, so I've literally, let's see. I, like I watched Alita Battle Angel last night. I watched The Nice Guys a couple days ago. I watched Catch Me If You Can, Kill Bill Volume 1, Ready or Not, The Departed, uh, Doctor Sleep, the director's cut. So yeah, I've watched like all of those recently. And yeah, all very, very good films. But I, I might talk about some more of those in the next episode or the episode after or something. I don't know. We'll see. I'll probably have even more movies to talk about too. So um, yeah, I guess that's pretty much it like I said I wasn't I'm not it's kind of a shorter episode this time um I don't want to drag it out if I don't have you know extra stuff to say just for the sake of dragging it out uh but thank you for listening if you made it this far if you made it to the end uh if you don't already you can find me on or if you don't already follow me you can follow me on twitter at batman files uh it's my batman account obviously uh post all kinds of batman and comic book stuff on there then if you want, you can follow my personal account at AP Batman with two T's. I post more random stuff on there and also this now watching thread that I just mentioned. So you can see what movies I'm watching and my kind of brief thoughts on those whenever I finish them. Um, you can, so again, I mentioned this at the beginning, but please subscribe to my YouTube if you haven't already. If you're watching this on YouTube and you enjoyed this, uh, a like down below would be very much appreciated. Uh, if you enjoyed this and you're listening to it on any of the podcast streaming services, uh, a thumbs up, a like, a rate, or a review on whatever service you're listening to would be very much appreciated. If you enjoyed this episode, a share on whatever platform you prefer would also be greatly appreciated and really help me out. Uh, again, thank you so much if you made it to the end of this, and be sure to tune in to the next one. Later. <laughs>